Hey everybody, welcome to EdTech Tips in 10 CETA Sessions. I'm your host, John. And I'm your other host, Elena. Welcome to the podcast. And today we are here with our special guest, Dr. Katherine Beidler, the Assistant Director at the Office of Teaching, Learning, and Technology Center for Teaching. Katherine, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. My name is Katherine. And in addition to working on campus initiatives of teaching and learning, especially supporting graduate student teachers, I teach classes in Latin, Roman history, and Roman archaeology. Awesome. And before we jump in, give us one fun or interesting thing about yourself. Well, for the last uh, seven years, except for the pandemic, I traveled to Italy regularly every summer to work on digs in and around Rome. Uh, my research focuses on ancient plant material. So I've been there uh, collecting ancient seeds. And if anyone wants to see one, they can come visit me in my lab space on campus. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> that's really cool. I would love to visit you and see an ancient seed. I can't even imagine what that looks like. Okay, so let's just jump in. It is August 2021, and the University of Iowa is returning to in-person classes, um, a bit of a hybrid model, um, but definitely there will be classes in person at this moment, we think. <laughs> so as we consider going back to in-person learning or hybrid models, uh, what aspects of in-person teaching are you most excited about? I think I am most excited about being able to gauge again more effectively how are my students are reacting to material and sort of how they're responding to what's going on in the classroom. I think one of the big challenges of the last year and a half was just um, not being able to establish the same sort of human connection that you might have with students previously because Zoom is in some ways, in some ways facilitates that, but it also in some ways a barrier to that. So I think sometimes when you're teaching and you say something and you look around the room and just look at people's faces and say, okay, did that come across? Are they, did they get that? And you can sort of see the confusion or the comprehension. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to getting back to, to that environment where those, those sorts of interactions are really much easier than they are online. Uh, but I'm also uh, excited to leverage some of the things that I've learned from teaching online in the last year and a half in um, the in-person classroom. I think that my sort of toolbox, especially for collaborative and group learning, has really expanded in the last year and a half uh, because you're sort of forced to work harder to get people to engage when you're in an online platform. And I think there are some tools that I've used in the last year and a half that I think would be really, really useful. I'm thinking about things like uh, group editing software, like Perusal. I used that and really liked it and we'll keep using it uh, in an in-person classroom where I can show people in person the edits that we've all made together and, and things like that. So I think that just, I'm really excited to leverage in-person engagement, uh, both using tools that I learned about during the pandemic and just in a general sense of being able to get together in a space uh, and talk to one another engage people's reactions and feelings uh, about material as we learn. Wow. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And for this next question, you actually kind of touched upon it a little bit already in your answer to the last one, but I'm just going to give you like an opportunity to speak more, more to it. So as classes are transitioning back into either in-person or largely hybrid models, what aspects of online learning do you think are going to kind of transfer back to the in-person classroom? So I think there are multiple things that I'm excited about. I'll touch back on that collaborative learning piece. I think that is um, something that will transition particularly well to a, a classroom space. I did a lot of stuff with collaborative editing, 
shared docs, shared PowerPoint slides um, that I had never really done before because I had been able to see what my students were doing in a Zoom environment. I would have them collaboratively work in small groups on shared SharePoint slides or a doc um, or, or look at each other's notes in a program like Perusal. And I will definitely continue to do that in an in-person classroom. I think having a, like a sort of written record of what groups are working on and forcing them to sort of note down their ideas and edit each other's thoughts is really, really useful and will work just as well in an in-person environment uh, as it does in an online environment. That there's no reason to sort of let go of that more transparent way of showing what people are working on and helping people engage with each other's ideas. So we'll definitely be keeping that uh, as we head back to an in-person or, or hybrid learning model. I think something else that I am trying to think creatively about keeping that I really would love to keep is the ability for students to back channel with each other during class a little bit or to quickly check in with ideas as they occur. Uh, I became really reliant on Zoom chat as a, as a teaching tool, having students quickly share ideas about what the material that they're seeing, um, having them annotate a shared slide, even those kinds uh, of, of tools are really, really facilitate participation. I think one of the things that the Center for Teaching is always recommending to instructors uh, is to offer more opportunities for low stakes participation. So like ways to check in with the instructor to show that you're understanding something without having to present something or like raise your hand and feel on the spot. And Zoom chat really provided that. Uh, and so I'm gonna think about ways to allow my students to continue to check in in those simple ways. Maybe it is just through some kind of chat program that we all use in class. Um, we'll see how that works, but I, I want to maintain that sort of collegial chatty atmosphere that the Zoom chat provided and also give the students chance to chat with each other. I think it's valuable to be able to subtly ask a peer for support if you're losing track of the conversation and want them to check in. Um, so I'll be looking for ways to maintain that in my in-person classroom as well. Yeah, I love that you brought up the Zoom chats because as a graduate student, that is something that I really appreciated having access to. And one tool that I want to plug quickly because we are really excited about it in the CETA office is Top Hat. So um, we will be doing an episode on Top Hat coming soon. Don't worry. Uh, but you will be able to kind of keep that Zoom chat vibe, I guess, through uh, using Top Hat in your classroom if you choose to. Okay, so our next question is, if um, instructors are listening to this episode, what is the one thing that they should keep in mind or know as we head back to in-person learning? I think that the one thing that I'm trying to keep in mind is that students may have varying levels of readiness to head back into that in-person setting, uh, whether that's because they've been, it's been a traumatic year for them in various ways and going back into an in-person space with a lot of people feels really difficult. I know that I've struggled to sort of get back into that mode or, or if they might struggle because they just have had no experience before with in-person learning on a college campus. I think that's a one big barrier that all instructors are gonna to have to keep in mind. These, the first couple weeks of the semester are going to be challenging because we're gonna be asking students to connect in a way we haven't been for a while. And some of the students in our classrooms might have literally no prior experience um, working with instructors in in-person classrooms. And so I think that just being generous with each other as we get used to that, uh, maybe taking some time to practice in-person facilitation techniques and remember what that feels like. So use the instructor, don't feel very strange at the front of the room. You don't have access, something like that quick Zoom chat. I think that's the one thing really to keep in mind is just be generous with yourself, be generous with your students, be patient with them as they get used to being in person in the classroom in close quarters. Again, I think that's gonna be really difficult uh, for everybody to get used to. And there are, I think, things like Top Hat um, or shared docs, leveraging those kinds of 
things that feel familiar from the last year in that in-person setting would be a good way to maybe make that bridge so you're not totally switching to a much different form of learning and teaching and facilitation than we have been in the past year. Trying to make that as gentle as possible by continuing to provide those like asynchronous means of participation or ways to check in on resources um, that just feel a little more familiar to students who may not have had the chance to work with the professors in a classroom yet. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you touched on in answering that question, this kind of the difficulty associated with this transition kind of back from, you know, Zoom university back to a hybrid or in-person model. And this last question we have for you is largely around that idea as well. So obviously last year with the pandemic, there was that huge shift to online seemingly happened overnight. But now there's kind of a huge shift coming this semester as well with, you know, getting all everyone back from online into in-person and hybrid models. And so we're kind of curious if you think that there are going to be any unique challenges with that transition, you know, quote unquote, back to normal uh, that are maybe just as large or problematic as the original transition to online was. I think so. Um, In addition to that, that sort of challenge I was just mentioning to the emotional difficulties, perhaps the switching back to in-person participation and teaching uh, and sort of um, problems that might present to people. I think there's also kind of a structural challenge with thinking about assessing student learning and how we think about student mastery of material. I think that a mantra throughout the pandemic and online learning was sort of be flexible, don't grade too harshly. Maybe some people who used to use exams switch to something like more flexible um, or less, less high pressure under those circumstances. I think that we're going to people are going to face a challenge and switching switching either back to what they're doing for the pandemic or changing those assessments to something in between. Uh, because I think that I relied a lot on grading to things like icon quizzes. I graded the Zoom chat sometimes for participation uh, and those kinds of easy asynchronous low stakes grading will feel different when you're back in an in-person setting. Uh, and I think students will also be looking for, okay, how is participation graded when I am not on Zoom? Uh, do I have to take these big giant exams again? If I have a problem in my life that's not COVID related, can I still ask for flexibility on an exam or a paper? And so I think that kind of rhythm of what are my expectations for my students? How can I ensure that they're learning effectively and sort of maintain the rigorous standards I have for their, for their results while still maintaining lessons from about about being kind uh, during COVID. So I think that's a big challenge and something that also tech tools can help with. Again, there's no reason to move away from some of those methods of assessment just because we're in person. But I think that's going to be a challenge, finding the balance there. Yeah, that's incredibly insightful. And I will be interested to see how the first few weeks of the semester pans out. I think it's, it's quite exciting that we're going uh, at least to a hybrid model, if not back in person. And um, I look forward to, to see seeing how it all goes. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on with us. And before we sign off, I wanted to give a little bit of an EdTech Tips and 10 announcement. Um, John has accepted a position at another institution. So he will be leaving the Office of Teaching, Learning, and Technology. So I will be uh, solo hosting at least for a little bit until we get another co-host on. But before we sign off, uh, I just wanted to say thank you, John, for being the creative mind behind this idea, starting this podcast with me and hosting for the last uh, nine episodes. Goodness. Yeah. I actually don't even know when we started. Do, do we remember when our first episode released? I, I have no idea. At this February? Point. Something like that. Yeah. Last yeah. half year. So it's, uh, it's been a fun time and thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, 
I definitely only was the creative mind since, you know, you took care of all the legwork. So I definitely think the podcast is in good hands going forward. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a difficult transition for, for sure. We'll miss you, John. And Catherine, thank you again for uh, coming on with us. It was lovely to speak with you. And we'll see you all in episode 10. If you ever want to book a consult with one of us, the CETAs, the Student Instructional Technology Assistants, feel free to send an email to CETA, that's S-I-T-A, at uiowa.edu. And one of us will get back to you to set up a meeting. All right. See you soon. See you soon. Bye.